0: Hey friends, Mike Myers here with the Songwriting for Guitar Podcast, episode number 47, Gabe Schillinger. Let me ask you, are you a songwriter, a guitarist who's feeling stuck, unsure of what to do, overwhelmed by the options of what's out there? Which options should you be going for? What should you be saying yes? What should you be saying no to? How should you delegate your time? Are you feeling the weight of the creative world on your shoulders? There are those that think about it and there are those that take action and they get a coach. They get someone to look in on their process to help them ask the right questions, think about the goals they should be hitting and giving them a step-by-step process. Now, if you're listening to this and you're like, Mike, how do I know you're right for me? That's a totally reasonable question to ask, so that's why I want you to go to songwritingforguitar.com, click work with me, and book a free 30-minute session. In that 30-minute session, I'm going to listen to some of the things that you want to do, ask you a few questions, we're going to write up a plan. So even at the end of that, if you're like, Mike, you're not right for me, you still have an itinerary of things that you can start taking action on. I think that's totally worth that 30 minutes instead of just sitting around and waiting for things to happen. But you got to take that first step. So what I want you to do is go to Songrangforguitar.com, click work with me and sign up for your free 30 minute session. Now Gabe is a music producer who's worked with artists like Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar and Too Short. Seriously, he's had impressive highlights working in the music industry. But after a decade of trying to make a living, he found himself broke and frankly unfulfilled. But instead of quitting, you know what he did? He started looking for other opportunities and he started selling his services online. And this is where he discovered his second passion after music, marketing. Using this newfound passion and knowledge, he was able to get some amazing results with his music production business, Legion Beats. He was the first, the first in his niche to pull off a six-figure launch. He's received the Two Comma Club Award for doing over a million dollars in revenue using funnels. He was even invited to speak at Funnel Hacking Live in front of thousands of business owners and marketers. I've attended that conference as well. And he shared the stage with people like Russell Brunson, Tony Robbins, Frank Kern, and more. On top of that he also teaches entrepreneurs in music and other industries how to grow and scale their businesses. Now if I say the word marketing and immediately you go like you kind of throw up in your mouth that's okay. <laughs> Cuz here's the thing. Back in the day that's how I viewed marketing. I was like it's evil. This is I'm a creative. I'm a creative but here's the thing. Business and creativity can live together (laughs) in harmony. You don't have to sacrifice principles. And there's a lot of preconceived notions we have about music and marketing that are just totally not right. So Gabe is going to just drop some knowledge bombs. This is going to be an episode that you're going to love. So we're going to jump into it. Episode number 47, Gabe Schillinger. I've been introduced to your story by my friend chris bradley and you know her and i you know we've been growing with things and into marketing and building and discovering it's a world that we we've loved but there was a time where if you would have told me like you know seven eight years ago hey man music and marketing you're gonna love it i would have been like no i create art that's what i do i write songs i write passion and i feel you're so good at taking a musician, someone, regardless if they wanna be a producer, you know, they're they're their songwriter, but telling them about the world of marketing and embracing that world, that it's not a scary world. It can actually be a fun world and that they can create their business. But I wanna get into what's your backstory before you got into this and before you were just like merging those two worlds, what was your story of, you know, as a music producer and just kind of that, that ground floor?
1: yeah no for me it definitely i didn't start out being like the marketing guy or the business guy at all it was uh very much very much the opposite you know where i just wanted to be a producer you know i like making beats like being in the studio um and that's all i wanted to do and so i did that you know and i actually did okay at it i had my little studio here in the bay area and then i kind of like you know, tried to climb my way up the local hip hop scene, which was, you know, that's kind of the path, right? Is like climbing up the local scene, then hopefully start working with some artists that are signed to some big labels. And eventually, you know, you start getting checks from from the record labels, right? So that was kind of like the path I was on or trying to be on. And um, I did that for like, God, over, over 10 years, you know, and I did okay. Like, you know, I had a couple wins here and there. I got to hear my songs on the radio. You know, I go see the warriors play and, you know, got to hear my songs in the big stadium there and like, you know, had some, had some pretty cool wins, work with some of the artists I grew up listening to some of the, the uh, Bay area rappers and stuff. But I realized when I was about 10 years in, I was approaching 30 years old at the time. And, um, just seeing that, you know, this is not sustainable. Like I'm not going to be able to support myself or a, family or whatever you know going forward with this like i'm barely scraping by i'm living at my dad's house like it's cool you know but i don't want to be i don't want to be doing this forever and i really was not proud of where i was at you know it was kind of that i don't know if you if you can relate to this but like that feeling of not wanting to talk about what you're doing because you're kind of embarrassed about it you know like i remember
0: (laughs) it's funny you mentioned that i'm sorry The year 30. Why is it with the year 30? It was the same thing for me, but I was in a band and it was like, we have to make it, you know, and we had some wins, there was some stuff, but man, the year 30 for some reason was like this haunting year of just like, it's coming soon. If you don't reach this, (laughs) it's like, why did, you know, it it all dissolves and it is kind of like I was living at home and it's like, oh yeah, I kind of, you know
1: no it's totally arbitrary right and it doesn't really mean anything i think it's just one of those things you know and i'm about to be 40 now it's just it's just one of those things where maybe when you're in your 20s you think it's this big thing and so it feels like it is and then at least my experience was i don't know i turned 30 was like okay who cares like you know and and honestly and i guess i'll get to this in a second like things started really getting better for me my 30s were way better than my 20s for me so i i don't know what i was so worried about you know
0: it is i felt like 30s were great i love 30s right now i'm like this is actually getting into the fun stuff like what i wanted to do why oh. was i so scared <laughs> what was the narrative and maybe it's just a narrative we're given depending on what like you know oh 30s are like this is the year where everything changes but yeah 30 came and i was just like i'm still here okay it's just like <laughs> right. i haven't aged too much my health is still here i can still hold a guitar i think you know sometimes there's so much pressure that we think it needs to happen but then when 30 hit it was like i don't even know what that means like you're at that you know we like i don't think this is sustaining like we look at this narrative and we're like is this really true and how can i actually make it work
1: yeah totally totally so i was kind of you know coming up against that that imaginary you know big 30 or whatever and and wasn't feeling good about myself, though, you know, whatever it was, honestly, whatever age I was, it, it wouldn't have really mattered that much because I just didn't feel good. I didn't want to talk about what I was doing. You know, if I would run into old friends from high school or whatever, like, I'd be embarrassed. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm still doing this music thing. And, they, you know, and I and and like, I'm sure it was all me. Like, they were probably like, oh, that is probably cool. You know, but in my mind, because of how I felt about myself, I was like, um, oh, you know, I'm a bum. I'm not you know, I should just grow up and get a real job or, you know, at this point it's not gonna happen for me, you know, that type of thing. And um, so I was really close to giving up multiple times, really, and then I thought I'd give selling beats online a shot, you know, which is something that mi- literally millions of producers do. It's not like I invented this or anything. It was just kind of like, ah, don't I'd, I'd always kind of had, and this is another sort of perception thing that for me has changed and I think uh, has evolved for a lot of people is it used to be like you were either an internet producer or an industry producer you know it's almost like and the cool kids were like the industry producers because then you're like working with the big artists and if you're an internet producer you know now I feel like would I rather be an entrepreneur writing my own checks or would I rather be an employee you know, It was another way to to flip that but at the time I wanted to be an employee I thought that was the cool thing is, is to be an employee and to get checks written as opposed to writing checks like I do today and so I I gave it a shot right and I kind of did what Every, every other producer was doing. It's kind of like the same model of trying to get some views on YouTube and then send that over to like a, a beat store or whatever. Yeah. And it was like, you know, it went all right. Got a couple sales here and there. Um, but it was just enough for me to get excited. It kind of had this little spark of like, oh, this is kind of fun in a way. Like it's this little game. Like, oh, if I get a little sale here and there and maybe let me, let me search how to get a couple more sales. Let me learn a little bit about traffic or how to, you know, improve this incrementally. So that kind of started that journey. And then I, you know, started finding other producers and seeing what they were doing, ended up coming across my buddy, Adrian, Anno Domini, Um, and seeing that he had this whole different structure, the way things that were going, where he, you know, he had video and he was telling a story and he put putting together a real offer instead of just a, a you know, what everybody else was doing, which was just like, a beat and their logo and and a store you know what i mean and so i didn't really understand it at the time but i knew it looked cool and i knew it was different and i knew it was it was something that was the direction i thought i should be going and then that opened up my eyes to all this cool marketing stuff to direct response marketing to funnels um i learned about russell brunson who's now you know one of my biggest mentors um and actually somebody who i get to work with and who i'm you know Actually, friends with, which is which is pretty cool.
0: Amazing, because you know, before we started the call, I was saying I feel like sometimes we view or artists, creatives, whatever you want to choose to call music, they're like, "Here's my creation, and my energy, and my drive, and all my thought and my passion. It's here." And then, okay, marketing, (laughs) I'll I'll buy some ads. Okay. I set it up, I'll just, and I'll leave this. And then surprisingly, crickets, crickets, nothing happens. Of it's course. Just like, well, I don't see all that thing you talked about, your, your thing that you created with that passion and energy. It, I don't see, uh, where are you in this market? I don't see you at all. It's just like, I see this template you get. There's no personality. There's nothing. Like you said, your story. Some
1: people are like, ah, oh, who cares about my story? No, exactly right. Yeah, and, and it's and it's, you know, ironic once you see it, but you know, we'll put so much of that creativity, that that energy, that excitement, all the stuff into our music, and then when it comes to the marketing of it, which is how people actually get to hear it, there's no creativity at all. There's no originality. There's no excitement, right? Um, and I get that because I think that's just as somebody who was into music, I just thought, well, oh, marketing business is boring. I hate it. I don't want to do it. Um, somebody else is gonna take care of that. If I just get good enough of my craft of music, then somebody's gonna save me. A manager's gonna come save me. A label's gonna come save me. A, a distribution deal is going to come save me something's going to come save me right but there was something that happened when I started actually getting into this stuff and we're really like oh no wait a second this stuff is actually fun too the marketing is actually really fun I can put that creativity that excitement that passion that energy that focus into the marketing as well and have fun doing it and that's the only way I'm actually going to get results you know I've never met um, somebody who's you know an amazing musician who's like yeah I hate making music so like if you're if your attitude is oh I hate business and marketing, you're probably never going to make a living from your music because you have to get good at business and marketing. And the only way you're going to get good enough at it is if you enjoy it enough to actually do it. And so that was the big shift for me. And once I kind of shifted that perspective, then it was like fun. And I started having all this success. You know, we did the first six-figure launch in our niche where we did over $200,000 in sales in a week selling beats online, which is like wild, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, people, uh, and I work with a lot of producers now. You know, people struggle to sell one beat or lease a beat for twenty bucks or thirty bucks or whatever. Um, so it's it's something that I'm really you know proud of and I don't take lightly. And I and I think you know seeing that happen and now and now seeing other producers do that it changes, it shifts my perspective on what's possible, the ceiling for what we can do as musicians as producers. And I think it's really important to see that because once you see that it's possible. Then it becomes possible for you. You know, I know that was for me with uh, with my buddy Adrian, who's got Anno Domini beats. I remember him talking about. You know, he did like a, a six figure month. You know, selling beats. I was like, what? I didn't. I didn't think that was a possibility. But but then once he said that, then it was like, wait a second. Okay, maybe the limitations I had put on what we're doing here is are are not real. Maybe that maybe that was my mistake. And then that helped open up my eyes to like, oh yeah, this this stuff is possible. So that that made a big difference. It's um you know mentioned Russell Brunson. He he talked about uh, this concept about the four minute mile, uh, which is basically for hundreds, I don't know, thousands of years, I guess, however long we've been timing ourselves running, nobody could break the four minute mile. And it felt like it was impossible, right? It was just like this barrier that just nobody could do. And then it was a guy, I think his name is Roger, Roger Bannister did it. And within, I believe it was like 30 days of him doing it, the second person did it. And then the third person did it. And then all of a sudden, all these people did it, right? It's not that everybody got better at running. It was just that mindset of, Hey, this limitation is like, we really believe this limitation. Like you just can't do, you can't run a mile in under four minutes. But as soon as you see somebody else do it, all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a second. I guess this is possible. Maybe that, maybe that was a fake limit I was putting on myself. So I think the same thing in music when you can see, you know, people like yourself having these, this success and, 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 you know, putting together the kind of life that they really want, then it becomes possible for other people who are maybe just starting out or maybe like me had been doing it for 10 plus years and were are struggling um i think seeing those examples are, are really really important
0: there's so much good shit in there where do we start okay so the first thing i think when you said to like the limitations that we put on ourselves just how we were talking earlier and we were like 30 the year 30 why is that a limitation it's it's a number i oh, don't know it's 30 and then 30 happened we were like oh okay then it makes you kind of go like well what other false narratives or like, what other things am I believing that sometimes I'm subconsciously believing really isn't true? It's like, yeah, you said, you know, there was internet producer and people that were in the studio. For me, it was like, band that was signed, unsigned, or it's just like, songwriters, I didn't know about licensing until one day I was like, oh I- oh like, shit, I can make money, do it, and I don't have to be signed. <laughs> you suddenly realize the the possibilities and the avenues. But definitely the marketing, when we come back to that, where do you feel musicians, what are the type of musicians sometimes they're more accepting of it? That, you know, they're like, you know what, I have listened to you gave and you know what, you're right. I really do need to embrace it. I've been doing it kind of just like, just kind of slapping. I've been throwing money at Facebook ads. I don't know what this is. You said funnel and I I don't know. I have a funnel at home, but I don't think that's it. It's just like, what do you mean? And then suddenly the other ones that are very like digging their heels in just like, No. (laughs) What is the type that is more accepting that you notice? What is that musician or that artist look like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that mindset thing that we're talking about, where it's, you know, learning to embrace that side of things and whatever it is that needs that switch to happen, whether if that is seeing somebody, uh, who's made that switch already and had success, whether that is having some, some little wins that was big for me was having some of these little wins along the way of getting a couple sales here and there and being like, wait a second, this is so cool. Like I'm making money. Uh, my music is now actually getting out to more people. And so that, that kind of helped fuel that. That excitement. So I think that's a huge part of it. So yeah, that's the biggest thing. I mean, I'll say the people I've worked with this closely on this it happens to be music producers, just because that's kind of, you know, that's the path that I've been on. And I think to some extent, As a music producer, you tend to work through problems a lot, right? And I guess everybody does, but if you're a music producer, you probably figured out first how to pirate some software, right? how to steal it, and then maybe figured out how to buy it and install it. And, you know, it was kind of annoying and took a long time and you tried to make your first beat and it was garbage. But you stuck to it, right? you kept doing it. And it's the same thing if you're learning guitar or, or any instrument, right? It's like most normal humans will like try it and be like, all right, well, this sounds like garbage. I'm, I'm over it, right? But we're, like, we're the crazy ones who are like, you know what, I'm going to try this for another 10,000 hours until it sounds like okay, right? Yeah. So, so it's just... I think having that in there, we if we're if you're a musician, you already have it in you. You already have that problem solving ability. You already have the characteristic that you're you're willing to stick with things when things get hard. It's just again that tiny little mindset shift of now applying that skill set to your business, to your marketing, to that side of things. That's the difference to me of the people who have success, you know, and and make a living doing what they love, and the people who eventually have to give up and maybe keep doing music for fun every once in a while or whatever, but aren't able to actually make a living out of it.
0: That mindset shift is huge, but especially, as you said, even when the thing is maybe not the greatest or the cleanest at first, like, you know, you're having a software and you're like, oh, how do I, I have to bust this out. What does bust mean? Oh, oh, it's this one. Or if you're on the guitar side and you're like, this chord is awful, it's terrible, but I think I can do this. There's just that little thing that's like, yeah, even though this may take some work, I can do this and just keep Mm -hmm. on that path it's it's the same with Mark. at first it can seem overwhelming because i feel even in the past two three years mark is ever changing it's always evolving and so it's just like at first when you dive in it's like where do i start Start, but that initial concept of embracing, as you're saying, and just being like, "Hey, you can think through problems. You do not need, you know, you know that record label to help you out because, like, they're not going to help you. Like, you've already had it because you've already worked through a ton of stuff, and now you can keep on doing that. Now, I'd be curious because, especially in your world, when it comes to beats, people hear that, and I know on my side, when you have people that are producers or they're their songwriters and they're like, I'm leasing a beat. Um, do I have to pay them every time that I play it? What is, can I use this? What is that world like for a songwriter that is interested in utilizing and, you know, using as creative assets, but it's to them, legality and they're like unsure of that entire world?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. And the unfortunate truth is that there's not a great answer because it's a little bit of the Wild West in, in a lot of ways still where like, you know, content ID, which is like this thing where all these, you know, YouTube or Facebook or all these different uh, platforms have an algorithm. They have a thing where they're going to recognize, okay, we know this song is in our database. This person is claiming ownership of it. So now we're going to either give them a warning or we're going to give them a strike or we're going to take... Uh, money away from them or, as far as like running ads against it or we're going to we're going to shut down their channel right and so much of it is so inconsistent where you know somebody could take that same beat and upload it through a distributor like a distro kid or cd baby or whatever and they just check that little box that says yes i own this and i'm going to claim the copyright for it everywhere and so i guess i say all that to say like it's it's complicated <laughs> because anybody can do that and all of a sudden they're Claiming the copyright and then somebody else can take that same music and upload it to DistroKid and check the little box too. And so far none of these things are smart enough to be like, oh yeah, actually somebody already claimed this. It's all over the place. So unfortunately it's not perfect. But that being said, the general concept, the way it should work is really just comes down to the terms of that, let's say producer, if you're getting a, uh, you know, music from a producer. Um, and so what's important is just take a look at what their terms are. So their terms might be, hey, you can use this, you can sell it, you can distribute it, you can perform it, but there's certain limitations. You can only make this amount of money. You can only get this number of streams. You can only release it on these specific platforms, right? So you just have to look at what are the terms of that. Now the terms of that license might be that it's unlimited. You can make as much money as you want. You can perform it as much as you want. You distribute all the platforms, all those kinds of things. It really just comes down to taking a look at what are the terms that that producer or the the maker of that music is um, licensing it or leasing it out as, and then just making sure that you that you stick with that. Um, and a lot of times there'll be different tiers where you can spend a little bit more for that unlimited license, but you really just have to kind of take a look at, you know what that producer of that music is is asking for
0: that is a fantastic answer because it's like even i'm like that's interesting i was like that because that whole world as you described which you did eloquently i feel people get overwhelm sometimes too. Now, if we were to take the marketing side and let's say the beat side and let's talk about your business, because this is what I find interesting. You're so much more than just like, Hey, we offer beats. There's so many different tiers. Cause what you were talking about before funnels, there's so many different levels within your business that somebody's like, ah, oh, $17. This is cool. But there's other tiers and other things that you offer so much more. Could you explain how you've kind of created that structure? Because I find, you know, If we can merge these two together, I think that is so helpful for my audience to hear too.
1: Yeah, for sure. So for me, it was like, okay, every other producer is just selling beats, right? And it looks, they all are selling it about the same way with like a beat store where you can scroll through and listen to a bunch of beats. And then you pick the one you want and you probably pay, you know, 30 bucks on the lower end for that, for that beat lease that maybe has some of those limitations, maybe up to, you know, at the most, maybe about 200 bucks, somewhere around there for maybe like an unlimited license uh, where you also get like the trackouts, the stems and all that good stuff. But in order to stick out, I wanted to offer more value, right? And this is some of the stuff that I learned, which is basically all business is, is basically me saying, okay, I have this thing, you have that money in your pocket, if I can make this thing more valuable that, than that money in your pocket, then we'll trade, that's all there is. So as long as you can make the thing that you are selling more valuable than the price that you're selling it at for that specific customer, you're in business, you're making money that, and, and both sides are happy, right? so if you are selling a beat lease you're selling the exact same thing that millions of other producers are selling right literally the exact same thing and and i get it if you make music your music is a beautiful snowflake and only you can make that exact music but the reality is there's a lot of talented musicians out there right whether if that is if you're a songwriter producer or anything like that um so and there's a huge marketplace for beats specifically where you know just on BeatStars alone is one of the popular platforms they brag that there's two million producers on there Right. So now it's me and 2 million other producers. Maybe you can say half of them are, you know, still working on it and have a ways to go or even three quarters. But that's still a, a lot, you know, thousands and thousands of producers are selling the exact same product for the exact same price. So now what you're doing is you're selling a commodity, right? It's like gasoline or milk or something where it's basically the exact same product. And so the only way you can compete if you're selling a commodity is basically by being either the cheapest or the most convenient. Right. It's like if you decide where you're going to get gasoline for your car, I I don't know. How do you make that decision?
0: You know, for me, it's based on like, hey, I got this little uh, card that will save me like five cents, you know, and so it's just like kind of scan it. And then, boom, I got five cents off. For all I know, it could be way more. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So five cents is making me feel like I'm saving it
1: exactly so it's price right because it's like okay well this this gas is basically the same as this gas so so it's going to be price and really there's only two possible answers it's either going to be price or it's going to be convenience right the other answer is well the gas station happens to be on the corner on the way home right and it's probably some combination of those two um so if you're selling a commodity if you're selling the same music more or less that everybody else is those are your only two options then price isn't going to work because you could sell your music for a few pennies and it's still not even going to get noticed. So really then the only way you can win is on convenience, which is like, if you just happen to be the one that that shows up at the top of the search results or whatever. Right? So then it becomes, okay, well, that's not going to work for me. So instead of selling a commodity, let me actually put together a true offer. Let me create more value. Let me bundle in more things. That's, that are unique, that's now going to separate beats. So now instead of just selling, so in my case, instead of just selling a beat, now I'm going to bundle in some other things. I'm going to look at, well, what are some of the other problems I can solve for my potential customer? So my potential customer might be a rapper or singer. And so, okay, I know I can provide a beat for them, but maybe I can provide their whole album's worth of beats. Okay. That's a higher, higher value. Maybe I can provide help with mixing and mastering. Maybe I can help them create artwork for their single. Maybe they don't know how to promote their song so I can create a little training that's gonna show them how to do that, or or I can connect them with some Spotify playlist curators, or I can, et cetera, et cetera. Like what are all the things that I can do? And now if I can bundle all those things together, now even if I do sell it for 30 bucks, like everybody else is, there's more value. So now people are gonna come to me specifically every time because they get more value for that dollar and so that's that's a huge part of it and whether if you are a producer selling beats or you're a musician selling your music you can still take that same concept what are the other problems I can solve for my customer for my fan what can I how can I offer more value than everybody else's and that's what's going to make them actually come to you
0: what's fantastic about that is the way that you view it because a lot of people they're like oh my song just it's 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 for me but it's like your song can also service people and so the thing that you're doing can also be a service and i know that's where some people go like uh, but it's like but when you think about that you were like well, what are other problems or like let's say they get this but what's the next thing what's the next thing what's the next thing and that's where you can keep on that continuous trail where if you're answering and you're providing those things for them whether you know for minds if you have your guitar and you're like i'm gonna start bundling you know i'm gonna start creating guitar loops and i'm starting to bundle that's great what usually happens with guitar loops well sometimes they're then you can do that next thing what is that next thing even if you're not sure think about that before that you go like i have this thing it's like no how can you make this more valuable
1: exactly right and and also sorry not to cut you off but sometimes that becomes overwhelming too it's like well all i do is make beats or all i do is play guitar and like the thing is you don't you don't have to create all those other things so like just as one example you know i might sell a beat pack and i know that my audience is going to be interested in let's say mixing and mastering and maybe i don't have the time or don't have the interest to do that but i have a friend who created a course that's really good that will show you know in my case rappers and singers how they can mix their own vocals so i can talk to that guy and say hey do you think we could work out a deal i can get you in front of my audience maybe there's money involved whatever it is we can make a deal where now i can include that course as part of my offer so i didn't have to create that training i didn't have to do anything all i had to do was find the person who's doing that and just connect those two people and that that connection creates a lot of value as well
0: that connection i read this book um who not how and I, it's still one of my favorite books that i love and i think you're right partnering with people that have those have those answers even if you're like i don't have the answer to that next question it's okay you don't have to like can you can you network can you connect with someone Yeah, I can. Awesome. Then bring them into your world because then they bring you into their world. And then together, mutually, they grow. And I think this is where people's view of music changes. You know, maybe a long time ago, I used to think it was like a knife fight. Like we get to the top of the mountain and then you got to like, you know, ward off everyone because you got to guard your place. But then you realize, wait a minute, there's enough room for everyone and there's an audience for everyone. And, you know, I don't know the record count of how many billion people there are in in the world right now but i bet you could find a couple hundred people that are pretty crazy about the thing that you offer because of your voice what you're saying how you're delivering it what you deliver it and your style that feels like they totally relate to it when people are like my product for everyone probably isn't for everyone and it shouldn't be it should be for your audience whoever that is can you tell me who your audience is and i think that's you know how you said just that connecting and that networking i feel not only is it great to financially support each other, but it's also great being around someone that's also in that space that's thinking about growing their business because it's not always easy. And and would you say like, you know, you mentioned Russell, but other people that have elevated your way of viewing things, but also too, just like that network or that support in moments where it's not always rosy and sunny, but just like and some days that you're like, damn, I'm glad you're here because like you're reminding me, yeah, this is all part of the process.
1: Definitely, definitely. No, having, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things there. I mean, having that community of other people who are going through the same thing is huge because if nothing else, you can be like, am I crazy? Let me, <laughs> let me talk to somebody else who's like, maybe has gone through this, like, wait a second. Uh, and then you can talk to them and be like, no, you're not crazy. The person you're talking to is crazy. And I'd be like, okay, cool. That's what I thought. Just making sure. Cause sometimes I don't know if I'm just by myself in a room here, you know, clicking away or whatever, then then it's, it's hard to have that perspective. So yes, having a community of people who are where you're at, um, and also having people who are where you want to be and have already blazed that path for you, to me has been one of the biggest shortcuts for me to actually get to where I am today is finding who are those people, who are the people who have already done something that I am trying to do. And now can I figure out how to offer value to them? Or do they offer some kind of coaching program or course or whatever so that the 10 plus years or 20 years or however long they put in to figure out how to get there if i can just like download that information as fast as possible into my brain that's invaluable to me so i'm going to be happy to you know i've spent a lot of money at this point on different masterminds and courses and you know i've been in uh, at the same time i've been in two different twenty five thousand dollar a year coaching masterminds both of them completely worth it both of them worth it within the first month where i had access to people who were able to give me answers that you know brought in much more revenue than that and more importantly i was able to be in that community and look around and be like hey am i crazy and be like no like here's right here's here's the community here's the support here's people that can see oh i actually know what you're going through i know how hard this process is i know you know i've gone through what do they call Imposter syndrome before I've, I've had, you know, that experience before, or, you know, uh, whether it's something tactical, like, Oh yeah, my Facebook ads have been messed up lately. Is it everybody? Or is it just me, you know, to that, that bigger picture mindset, um, that community and having the people who have blazed that path before me are, are both have both been huge for me.
0: I will agree because I think that when you have that mindset shift, it's like, uh Oh, I think I need to start investing myself in these areas that I'm not sure about. And at first it's like, we're very, <laughs> you know, we're, but I only have this little chunk of change or it's just like, I don't have that much. Yeah, but like that investment eventually comes back. It comes back around. Usually the ones that are pretty like holding on tight that's pretty much all they'll have because they never really let it go. They just, and even then, a few pennies drop off here and there. But it's like when you hold on to it, you're missing out on so much. And as you said, that, you know, the years of knowledge. That you know, I remember the first time just you know going to friends that were way better producers better at licensing and I was like Could I just watch you? I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna be a background." That was totally not true I probably asked a million questions <laughs> within the first like five seconds be like sure. why did you do that? But to see a process because that's the thing too Most people are concerned because they don't have a process. They don't have a system We're still figuring this out, but the ones that really are the where you want to be they can tell you a system, a process. It's never like, oh no, no, divine angels come to me at night and they whisper the secret. It's just like they're able to tell you, here's the first couple of steps and they can look at what you're doing and be like, oh, that's awesome. I'd watch this right here because that's something that needs tightened up. They're they're willing to be honest but supportive
1: too. You know, they say success leaves clues, right? So it's like what what is that path and and I was seeing that pretty much all the people, in fact, I, I'm pretty confident to say all the people that I looked up to that had done what I was trying to do in, in my business or my life, they had all done that. They'd already, they'd been a part of one of those masterminds or paid for courses and, and coaching. And, they, and usually the most successful ones were the ones who had who had paid the most or were currently paying the most because they they know the value of that investment. And just like you said, it's usually the inverse is true also where it's like the people who are afraid to spend any money at all, those are the ones who are not gonna make any money at all because that's just kind of how, how this works. And I think it also ties into that kind of abundance mindset you're saying of like feeling like, okay, for me to be successful, I need this person not to be successful, right? And I get that. And I think there can be a lot of that in, in music and, and maybe in life too, where it feels like it's a zero sum game where like, either i get that spot or they get the spot and and really that has not been my experience at all it's actually much better when i can take people with me or people take me with them uh, the more we both become you know more successful on climb up the more we're able to help each other out even more. So to me, it all it all ties in with um, being willing to invest in yourself, but also being willing to then pay that forward and and take somebody who's, you know, now I'm here on this path, I'm following somebody who's here, but somebody who's back here, can I go back and say like, hey, check it out? Here's, here's the next steps. Here's how here's how I can help you get to here. And guess what, that person is going to be able to help you later. It's, it's the opposite. They're not going to take your spot. They're actually going to help you to be more successful because now they're going to be in a position where where they can help you.
0: I feel like just all of that, you know, everything that we've talked about comes back to, like, the what-if or fear. What if I don't do this? Sometimes that is more haunting to me than, you know, fear. I think sometimes we're put in, like, you might fail, you might not do well. And it's like, yeah, but what if I do well? Yeah. What if it ends up being really good and it ends up being the thing that I'm supposed to do? Yeah, but what happens if you, you embarrass yourself? What if from the embarrassment or what's embarrassment, I actually learn a lot, and then that actually helps me? Right. It seems like what if is always going to be, you know, from what you're saying too. This the strongest thing. Then this it, sometimes just really false fear because again, like thirty. What about thirty? 30? is great. It's like <laughs> here I am, thirty-six. I'm like, it's a great year, and probably you know what? Forties will be even more kick-ass. So it's just sure. like, what? I- is, what's the issue?
1: Yeah, and I think what that is—it it, comes—it's like an evolutionary thing, right? I think as as people, and it makes sense, probably, how our ancestors, you know, stayed alive is—it's better to be on the safe side, meaning it's better for our minds to irrationally weigh the risk greater than the benefit, right? We're probably going to do better if we just—I don't know—stay up in this tree as opposed to go run across the plains or whatever, right? Um, and it's probably the people who tended to survive. You have to take some level of risk, but mostly being on the safe side was probably good. But what that means is now our brains are shaped that way. We're gonna look at these two things like, okay, the risk is whatever, you know, uh, yeah. give it a score of 10, let's say, right? And the reward maybe potentially is a score of 20, but irrationally, our minds are going to look at that and think that, that that is imbalanced. I'm actually not going to take that risk. And it's like, no, take that risk every time. Because if you keep doing that over and over, you're going to end up on top, right? I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but it's it's this irrational bounce where we're more afraid to take the risk when really the reward is, is worth it and you should, you should just go for it.
0: What we sometimes think is the safe alternative really isn't the safe alternative because you can have like the job that's stable that someone else gives you the paycheck, but they could easily let you go because situation just warranted like this is easier. Yeah. And the, the safe option is no longer the safe option that building something to yourself. It's like, what am I gonna fire myself? Am I gonna you know, have like a deep meeting with myself be like, ah, oh, Mike, and no, it's just, I'm going to work through that because I'm there at the ground floor building it. Sometimes when you're working for someone else, it's great, but you know, and I've had a great job, but you know, the risk of me building something myself. And I think for musicians, regardless producer, your songwriter, your work for hire musician, building yourself your brand your voice your story will always be worth it because that's where the it seems like the most success the growth and your enjoyment and the benefits are the most from that instead of really any label contract that you might get or something that's like we got a tour that's great that's awesome but like this thing that you've created is, uh, I think the first word you said, like, sustainable. This is the thing that's going to be, it's not only sustainable, but growing for yourself.
1: 100%. Dude,
0: this is so good. If people want to find you, your company, where can they go?
1: Um, so you can find me on Instagram, Legion Gabe. Um, and if you are specifically a producer, you can check out midimoney.com slash training. And uh, either way... Feel free to hit me up. If you have any questions, you want to chat, hit me on Instagram. It's the best place to find me.
0: Dude, Gabe, this was awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with me.
1: Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it.
0: And that does it for this week's episode. If you've been listening to the Song Rang for Guitar podcast, you've been enjoying it, but you haven't written us a review on Apple Podcasts, if you could just take a pause, head on over there right now and write us a five-star review. Talk about your favorite episode because believe me, reviews matter for podcasts. It's hard to believe, but it actually helps bring notoriety to the podcast. We can keep on bringing amazing guests and somebody may read your review and go, I've never listened to this i gotta check it out so head on over to apple Podcasts, write an amazing review believe me i read each one of them and i'm so appreciative so i thank you in advance and thanks for continuing to listen to the songwriting for guitar podcast i enjoy this and look forward to keep on bringing you valuable content this episode was edited and produced by chris Fafalius, i'm mike myers thanks for listening